Today's episode of Your Stories is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked us not to read an ad, so enjoy the show! Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the highs and lows of being a nerd. You know that hobby you have that you don't talk to anyone about? It's a secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird. Maybe you're into something different. Uh, comic books, fantasy football, push-ups. Your stories to me has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there. No questions asked. Uh, I've heard stories about all those things. Uh, maybe not not a lot of push-ups. I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups. The Nerdalogs is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds just like me. And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience one month, and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So... Your story becomes their story, and their story is your story, and then it's our story, and then it's a podcast, so it's everybody's story, and then you've shared it, and gosh, that's great, huh? And even if you don't think you're a nerd, you probably are. It's easily the most Midwestern thing I've ever been a part of. Hey, everybody. I'm Eric Arnault. And this is part one of the Nerdwalks Presents Your Stories podcast, featuring the theme, T. Hanks. Why? Because we teamed up with the wonderful people behind International Tom Hanks Day, a really great thing some Chicago folks do to celebrate a cool actor and raise money for a great cause, which you'll hear about a little bit in this episode. Uh, over the next couple weeks, you'll hear from the Tom Hanks Day founders and other great speakers and friends of ours ruminating on the theme. Uh, this time, you can enjoy Kevin Turk, Logan Dean, Maura McDaniel, Mike Gifford, Liz Larimore, and Katie Johnston-Smith, plus music from myself, Dwight Hassler, and Jim Snedeker. Uh, P.S. If you're around Chicago on April 2nd, make sure you join in the official International Tom Hanks Day festivities. Those are noon to 5 p.m. at Lincoln Hall in Chicago. You will have a great time. Um, before we get to the show, I want to give a shout-out to our sponsors for the episode, Cards Against Humanity, and, of course, to the whole Chicago Podcast Co-op as well for being amazing. Uh, there are a ton of great co-op podcasts that you can check out on iTunes, and if you'd be so kind as to rate and review the ones you like, including ours, well, that would be really swell. We'd really appreciate it. It, it truly helps a ton uh, for us finding new listeners, so that would be great. Uh, thank you for being a listener, of course, and please enjoy the show. Working 
cause I really need the work. But hitting up my buddies got me feeling like a jerk. Hundred dollar car, no two horn and red. I get a check on Friday, but it's already spent. Working for a living. Working for a living. Working for a living, living and working. I'm taking what they're giving cause I'm working for a living. Working for a living, whoa, whoa, I'm taking what they're giving, whoa, whoa, I'm working for a living, whoa, whoa. Bus boy, bartender, ladies of the night. Grease monkey, ex-junkie, winner of the fight Walking on the streets is really all the same Selling souls, rock and roll any other day Working for a living Said I'm working for a living Working for a living, living and working I'm taking what they're giving cause I'm working for a living Working for a living, living and working I'm taking what they're giving cause I'm working for a living Working for a living, living and working Tom Hanks Day. He's going to tell you a story about kind of how it came to be and tell you what it's all about. This is Kevin Turk. Wow, that was that was something else. I don't think I'm ever going to be able to look at like the the soundtracks from Tom Hanks movies the same again. Um, but yeah, so thank you to Eric, the Nerdologues, and Beguile. Brewery. Just wanted to make sure I said it right. For uh, I've had plenty of those, so it's it's fine. Um, but we're super excited to be here. We hope we can make this maybe an annual Tom Hanks Day type thing. We'll see. Um, we have we have some history in annual events that we do pretty well with. Um, but so basically, yes, I am Kevin Turk. I am one of the co-founders, the one of the original Hanksters of Tom Hanks Day, as we like to say. Um, I'm going to give you the quick cliff notes, and then we'll get into people that are a lot more entertaining and interesting than I am. Um, so to kind of start, to give you some background about Tom Hanks Day, um, it is real. It is an event. You're all welcome. It's on April 2nd this year at Lincoln Hall. It's a lot of fun, I promise. Um, and anybody listening, please come too. Um, but so what we basically started doing was uh, in Kalamazoo, it, it was one of those weird incidences that you live with four other dudes in a house, and you're sitting around doing nothing, and some dude finally looks at you and says, you know what we should, we should just spend the rest of our Saturday doing is drinking and watching Tom Hanks movies. And you think, yeah, that's a good idea, you know, like, why not? That sounds like fun. And so um, we did. We just started, like, sitting around. Now, this was before the time of streaming. So we actually, I, don't, I still to this day don't know if the guy that said this just knew we had a lot of Tom Hanks movies in the house or was just like, I really like Tom Hanks. Don't know. Don't care. But that's how it started. We're not fanatics. We're not like crazy super fans. I know less about Tom Hanks than probably half the people in the audience sitting here. Um, but 
that was it. That was the one thing that kind of kicked it off. And so somewhere between Saving Private Ryan and Turner Hooch, <laughs> Turner and Hooch, um, we were standing outside. I, I still remember it. We're standing outside on the balcony taking our little break. And uh, one of our, our friends, Will Roberts, goes, dude, it's April 1st. And we go, that's the best reason to keep doing this. Tom Foolery, Tom Hanks. <laughs> like, why shouldn't we? So, like, after that, we realized 11 and a half months later that, oh, April 1st is coming up again. And, hey, didn't we do something last year that was fun? Maybe we should do that again. Um, and so we decided to print some T-shirts up. And I don't know why, but people really liked it, and they got behind it. And so we kind of kept going down that trail of here's all these people that want to celebrate Tom Hanks Day with us. And again, around western Michigan where it started, people started to know us as Tom Hanks people. So <laughs> I got all the all the tidbits that you wouldn't think you knew out there. People would always come to me, and one person, one tidbit stuck out to me that basically said, hey, I heard Tom Hanks' brother works at this place and is this kind of guy. And I was like, ooh, I got some time on my hand. Maybe I'll, like, stalk this dude. Like, that sounds like a better idea than trying to find out who Tom was. So find the profession. I find the name. It all looks like it lines up. I send out an email. Again, I had some time on my hands. So I was like, all right, I got this. So I send out this email, and um, about a month before the fourth and fourth annual Tom Hanks Day, I have to check. Uh, I got a, I got an email from a guy, from a lady actually claiming it's in the subject line. It said, uh, Tom Hanks' office. And I was like, no way. <laughs> uh, and so I, my response was, seriously, didn't say hello, didn't say howdy, didn't say how you doing, like what's going on. It just said, seriously? Like I was, I was annoyed. I thought one of my friends was punking me and I was like, this is, yeah, punk. Uh, this is crap. And uh, and so then I, I write an email. I say, seriously, this sounds awesome, but please, you know, if it's real, give me a call. Um, would love to talk to you. It sounds like Tom wants to send some stuff. Whoop-de-doo, okay. Um, and from the time that I hit send, for a few minutes later, I'm, like, doing some research. I look at the, the .com. It says playtone.com. I go, okay, that's Tom's company. Okay, like, what's going on there? And I, you know, I look at the name, and I start doing a little research, and the next thing I know, my, my phone's ringing, and I look at it, and it's a California address, or California zip code, and area code, and I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, this is it. And so I answer the phone, and my jaw just hits the ground, and I'm laughing, and I'm pretty sure a little tear came out of my eye. And I'm like, wow, this is real. Tom wants to send stuff to us. Like, how great is that? And so... I have this secret and this story inside, and I'm like, I want to tell everybody, but I don't. I was like, nope, shut it down, shut up, wait till the stuff actually arrives, prove that it's real, and then go tell all your friends about it. So when we did that, um, basically what that did was lead us into the idea that um, here this this amazing actor, one of the nicest men in Hollywood, A of A-listers, um, yeah, that, that sounds good, doesn't it? I just That's off the cuff. I didn't write that down. Um, it comes out, and he sends us some stuff. And so I, you know, after the time we had been having this party, I was like, let's, let's donate some money to charity. So I'm going to take a quick minute and jump into what the charity is. And then again, like I said, we'll let some fun people talk. But basically... Um, my email was, hey, you're sending us this stuff. We can raffle it off. Although, if, if anybody doesn't have their raffle ticket for today, make sure to come see me in a little bit. We are raffling off a fun little Tom Hanks item. Um, 
and basically said, like, hey, who should I donate to? And so he said, uh, he, uh, his assistant said, um, look, Tom's the U.S. ambassador for Lifeline Energy. It's lifelineenergy.org. They're doing some really great stuff. Um, if you want to make a donation, do that. So for the last 12 years, something like, no, eight years, nine years, we've been donating money to this charity and they've been getting so supportive and helping us out and it's absolutely awesome. So like I said, maybe not right now, but as soon as you're done listening to this podcast or you're done sitting in this audience, run out and donate. If you don't have the money to donate, ask people that you know that do have money to donate. Um, but this year we're raising money for, uh, basically they're sending these life players, which are crank radio, solar powered radios uh, to the um, basic. Uh, cities in Africa that are overpopulated. There's hundreds of kids, kind of like we are here, just kind of jammed in together. But these kids are actually trying to get an education. And a 100 kids in one classroom cannot be controlled by one teacher. So these radios are these awesome outlets. They sent me this video of kids singing and dancing and learning while they were doing it. And it was just awesome stuff. So again, lifelineenergy.org. Um, so that's kind of it. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it over to the professionals, the people that are good at this kind of stuff. Um, I do know that um, the the probably the most important thing I want to leave you here with. Hold on, I gotta skim past all this extra stuff. Um, is two things. One, the event is Saturday, April 2nd, so I hope everybody here will come. It's Lincoln Hall in Chicago. If you can't come, start your own chapter wherever you're listening. Uh, go to thetomhanksday.com to do that. You can get T-shirts. We'll send them out to you. Yeah, it's, it's a legit thing. Like, we're a business. It's weird. Um, but so the donations are $10 at the door. That gets you an awesome little gift as you walk in. We'll be selling T-shirts. We got beer specials, all that kind of good stuff. Um, so we have a lot of fun and plan for the rest of the evening. Just want to make sure that we all make it through tonight. You know, it's, it's going to be tricky. So I have one rule. There's only one item of Nerdalog gear that can be the difference between a live grunt and a dead grunt. Socks, cushion sole, OD, green. Try and keep your feet dry while we're out humping through the rest of this episode. <laughs> And that's a great point. Guys, at the break, we are going to take a break here. Uh, go buy some raffle tickets. Also, I should definitely thank Big Al Brewing. We usually don't do this event here, uh, but this month we do something special. And Kevin and the Big Al staff have been super awesome. So please buy their drinks and, uh, and patronize them because they are great. Uh, with that said, we're going to get to what Kevin has referred to as the professionals. I don't, I don't know about that. Uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll be the judge of that as the night goes on. This is a friend of the Nerdalogs, Logan Dean. I am never professional. <laughs> That's probably evident by the fact that I didn't really write anything for this. So, how many people have seen Toy Story? By a round of applause. How many people have seen Charlie Wilson's War? A little bit less. How many of you have seen Mazes and Monsters? Holy shit! Really? Awesome. So now I'm going to do a thing where I dovetail the theme of the show, T. Hanks, into my personal interest, which is Dungeons & Dragons. 
Mazes and Monsters is a 1982 made-for-television movie that is Tom Hanks' first starring role. Uh, and I think you would like us all to forget it, because it's not on, like anything he ever publishes, but it is on his IMDb page, and he is very prominently featured in all of the advertisements for it. Uh, it's based off of an actual event that happened in 1979 where a kid went missing in the tunnels underneath Michigan State uh, University, and they couldn't find him for like a month. Uh, he went down there because he tried to kill himself, uh, and when he failed, he just hid out in his friend's house for like a month being a dick. Um, LAUGHTER he did eventually kill himself. His name is James Dallas Egbert III, and may he rest in peace. Uh, anyway, it's like 30 years ago. And it gave Dungeons & Dragons a terrible name. Because after that, everybody, the private investigator that they hired to find the kid uh, came up with some wild theory that he got lost because he got caught up in a game of Dungeons & Dragons that went awry. Um, <laughs> Which is just really shitty PI work. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the story went national, and everybody like took off with it. Like Dungeons and Dragons, it's a gateway to satanic evil, which is really cool marketing for Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> but really bad when you're a kid and you want to play it. Because uh, my mom hated that shit. Uh, but the the book. Mazes and Monsters was written based off of these fraudulent news reports and then really quickly picked up by CBS for an after-school special, which starred Tom Hanks. <laughs> and Tom Hanks plays... Oh, what the hell is his name? It's really terrible. Uh, he plays Robbie Wheeling, who is a college freshman who got kicked out of his last school for playing Mazes and Monsters. And he's really reluctant to pick it up again, but his friends are really into it. Uh, so one of his friends finds a really cool cavern for them to play Mazes and Monsters in. So they go, and Tom Hanks, um, I'm sorry, Robbie Wheeling uh, has a psychotic break and thinks he kills a monster and then becomes his character, uh, this cleric. That it doesn't matter. Uh, but so he like breaks up with his girlfriend and like runs into the cavern and has to, and he like runs away thinking that he has to jump off the Empire or the World Trade Center and cast a spell in order to be uh, the cleric forever. It's really weird and it's really terrible and you should all find it and watch it because uh, the more that people know about it, the more you can really uh, understand that we all, as creative types, start somewhere. <laughs> and as much as some of the early shit we do is terrible it's a jumping off point you know Tom Hanks oh that was a bad choice of words uh, Tom Hanks is a wonderful <laughs> Tom Hanks is a wonderful actor and he's incredible and Charlie Wilson's War is a great movie and if you didn't see it you probably should but he had to start somewhere too and whether it's telling a story in a brewery or hanging out on a street corner playing a guitar and really, really sucking. I'm looking at you. I love you. Don't. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I love you. I'm losing it. Uh, you're all great. Bye. Have you seen me playing guitar? Oh, okay, so uh, this was a dream I had that I didn't tell you about. Here. 
let me let me let me let me break it down. So you were yeah. playing some New Order song yeah. under the Addison Red Line. Okay. In a dream. In a dream. Yeah. And you know, and, and this was when we went to we went to Nashville last month, and it was during like after I, it's a long story. <laughs> But uh, he couldn't play it. You couldn't play this New Order song. I thought I told you about this. No. I didn't. <laughs> Last gonna... time I played guitar in the street, I think I was 19 years old. Dude, you should and do it again. I, okay, and then you'll tell me not and to. And then I'll tell you not to. Thank you, Mike. All right. Cool. I used to play guitar at a pot belly for years, which is not that much better. <laughs> when you have to compete with a roast beef sandwich for attention and the roast beef sandwich wins, it's time to get out of <laughs> They're good sandwiches, though. Coming up next to the stage, a newcomer to your story stage. We actually have a few new people tonight, which is always super exciting. This is Maura McDaniel. Okay, so my inspiration was the movie Castaway, because that was, like, the most memorable Tom Hanks movie to me. Um, And I thought of uh, Wilson and their beautiful friendship. So my story is about uh, my best friend. Um, I met my best friend Molly in seventh grade in the back of science class. I couldn't read the board because I needed glasses, so Molly would read the board to me and let me copy her notes. We've been friends ever since. In middle school, we were inseparable. We looked alike and acted alike, and our teachers would call us by each other's names. Sometimes we would even buy the same shirts from Target just so we could match and have people think we were twins. (laughs) Um, We loved Audrey Hepburn movies and spying on our older brothers. We would spend the night at each other's houses every weekend. We became a part of each other's families. She was my best friend, my Wilson. We were two peas in a pod. Then the day came when she told me she was being sent to boarding school. Usually when you hear boarding school, you think of an evil, evil step-parent threatening a child that if they don't behave, then they will send them to a faraway boarding school, and it all sounds very dramatic. And that's pretty much what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Except Molly wasn't a bad kid. Um, see, Molly's family was super religious. They were all Seventh-day Adventists, which pretty much means that they're Christians, but with a few extra weird rules like not being able to wear jewelry, eat meat, wear makeup, and worshiping on Saturdays instead of Sundays. Molly's mom was very adamant about her going to high school at the Seventh-day Adventist boarding school, which was in northern Minnesota, because that's where she went, that's where Molly's older sister went, and now that's where Molly was supposed to go. I was crushed. I couldn't accept that my best friend was being taken away from me. I begged my mom to send me there so that we could stay together. <laughs> my mom my mom didn't take the bait and reminded me that I wasn't Seventh-day Adventist. But I, I argued that I could convert because I had been to Molly's church with her family enough times. And when Molly left, that was the first time I felt depressed in my young life. And then I got really into Dave Matthews' band. <laughs> Usually when you're young and your best friend moves away, it means that your relationship will fizzle out slowly. You start calling less, visits become less frequent, and letters stop coming. But not for us. We made the best of it. We would talk on the phone at least once a week, and usually it was every other day. 
We talked so much that we made up a system that if the connection got lost, I would call her back on odd days, and she would call me back on even days, so we wouldn't call each other at the same time and make our lines busy. (laughs) I would visit her at boarding school um, at least once or twice a year between holidays when she couldn't come home for a couple months. She tried to set me up with some Seventh-day Adventist boys from her school, and they have been the two worst boyfriends I've ever had to this day. (laughs) One sent me way too many naked photos, unprompted, unasked for, and unreciprocated, and the other just tricked me into thinking he was cool because he just said he liked everything I liked. Uh, She would still come home during the summers, and that was the best time. Uh, There wasn't much to do in our small town, so we had to be creative with uh, how to best entertain ourselves. And we could, when we were together, we could always think of something. We made, we made up our own holidays, like Elegance Day. Um, We we would have picnics by the lake, go rollerblading, take naps in a hammock in the cemetery, uh, take take my 12 foot aluminum boat out on the lake I lived on. And when that got boring, we would go bridge jumping naked. Uh, bridge jumping was like a regular form of entertainment in my town, uh, it was super small, and that bridge jumping is just finding a tall bridge and jumping off of it into the river, um, but we just cranked it up a notch by doing it at night naked. Uh, by the time we were juniors in high school, we had done it so many times that it, it lost its thrill. <laughs> then... We turned uh, into daring each other random things, like to touch the mailbox of the house where my ex-boyfriend lived because his mom scared the shit out of us. And to this day, it still like makes my heart thump and my palms kind of clammy. Um, Molly and I aren't the same people we used to be. We have both grown up in very different ways, but she still is the person I know I can turn to. Even though I'm not religious anymore and she's a Bible teacher at a high school in Tennessee, she's still the person I would call in the middle of the night and the person I can ugly cry in front of without judgment. Molly has helped me form into the person I am today. She's my history book. She's the one that has known me in all stages of my life and vice versa. We help each other grow and set goals and encourage one another. Uh, We've really learned what it takes to be in a long-distance relationship and how to make things work. It's all about the little things. Hearing about the stupid little stories that happen during your day and visit each other's worlds so you know who the people are that they interact with on a daily basis. Uh, because it's important to know who the guy in her class is with the most acne and who that bitch down the hall is who plays the loud music. <laughs> it's the little things that keep us connected. I think that the love in a friendship is underrated because, to me, it's the purest form of love. There is nothing in it for anybody but the company of another person who just likes you as a human being without the implications of sex. This spring, Molly is getting married on my family's farm, and I'd like to take credit for her and her fiancé still being together. (laughs) They had to be long distance for two years, and I like to think that it's because her and I have been practicing the art of long distance for over a decade and still going strong. Thank you, Maura. And congrats to Emily if you're out there. That's so sweet.
I'd also like to point out so you can tell a story and not disparage the host at the end because it's something you dreamed about. That's totally possible. <laughs> Thank you, Maura, for showing us the way. Let's see what happens with the rest of the night. <laughs> Next, I hear a story's favorite, this gentleman. I think this is his fourth or fifth time here, and he always fucking kills it. This is Mike Gifford. Yeah, is a fan. I won't disparage you, Eric. Oh, my God. I do want to thank the Nerd Logs and Beguile Brewing and Kevin for hosting this. This is pretty fantastic. And the Tom Hanks, that's really cool that they're doing this for charity. So that's awesome. That deserves a round of applause, I'd say. Right? So, okay. This is the special Toms in our lives. As the theme of today's show goes, I say thanks to Tom Hanks. From big to splash to Toy Story, Philadelphia, Road to Perdition, eh. The Money Pit, two weeks, two more weeks, Saving Private Ryan, Sleepless in Seattle, and of course, Forrest Gump. Tom Hanks movies are the stories of our lives, taking on challenging topics and presenting them to audiences in such a way that they can laugh and cry and better understand themselves and intense subject matter they did not know before. Uh, so we trust Tom Hanks because in the movies, he's always our friend. You've got a friend in me. (laughs) Sidebar. I did not masturbate until a week before I turned 21 years old. (laughs) My underwear drawer was a St. Valentine's Day massacre of wet dreams. It was appalling. (laughs) Okay, so I was... I am a homosexual, and I know I'm not dressed like it, but I, but I am. Take my word for it. Number twos are very easy for me. So in any case, I was uncomfortable with my sexuality as a young boy, so I decided to not be sexual at all. Thus, I did not masturbate for a long time. Hold on to your seats, it gets worse. So... So, one of my very best friends in the entire world is a man named Dr. Thomas Ludwig Manick. How gay is he? (laughs) He was a William Blake scholar at The Ohio State University and my very best friend in the entire world. A week before my 21st birthday, Tom decided that enough was enough. He was taking me to a gay strip club called The Full Monty. That's right, it was called The Full Monty. It looked like a Spencer's Gifts with gay strippers from the local Y. So Tom gave me a fistful of dollars and I sat down and the strippers one by one came up and gave me lap dances. I gave them money, then afterwards I shook their hands, sat them down next to me and asked them about their future career aspirations. (laughs) Tom turned to me and said, I don't think that's how it works, Mike. Alas, I was a failure at the lap dance. (laughs) 
So we got back into Tom's van and he told me this was a complete and utter disaster. So I'm giving you an assignment right now. The moment you get into your apartment, you're going to masturbate and you're going to call me and prove it because this is stupid as shit. You're 21 years old. Stop it. So I got home and I went upstairs and I unlocked my door and I walked into the bathroom because masturbating's like peeing, I guess. <laughs> and so I pulled down my pants and I sat down and I leaned my head back and I started raw rubbing on my cock. <laughs> Now, my dick was not happy with me. I was not happy with my Johnson. And things weren't going well. So, I decided to use some lotion because I had seen some movies and that seemed effective. So, I squirted a whole lot of lotion. A ton of lotion. Like a hardcore case of eczema, nasty lotion. My dick and balls were like a swamp by the time I was through. It was a mess. So I had to get a towel and dry it off because it was going nowhere. Finally, I was able to conjure up an interesting image of Ryan Philippi, and I got an erection. Who would have thought? And after quite a bit of work around the rim of the head of my penis, I blew like a scud missile. Well, now that that was done, I picked up my phone, pants still around my ankles, and I called up Tom and I said, fine, fucker, I did it. I masturbated. And he said, how many times? And I said, once. And he said, uh, end of sidebar. (laughs) Movies have a beginning and an end. But we love Tom Hanks movies because they leave an indelible mark on us. And that's why we love and relate to them. (laughs) Well... This past fall, my Tom died, and I'll never talk to him again. And words cannot describe how much that's destroyed a little part of me and how lonely I feel to lose my best friend. He's responsible for all the good things about me, and I'm so glad Tom left so much with me. So I want to leave you all with Tom's favorite poem. He didn't want a funeral, but fuck you, I'm getting away with it anyway. This is written by William Blake, who he was a scholar of, one of the foremost scholars in the world. It was written in the early 1800s, and in short, is about the Industrial Revolution and times forever changing. And did those feet in ancient time walk upon England's mountain green? And was the holy Lamb of God on England's pleasant pastures seen? And did the continents divine Shine forth upon our clouded hills, and was Jerusalem builded here among these dark satanic mills? Bring me my bow of burning gold, bring me my arrows of desire, bring me my spear, O clouds unfold, 
Bring me my chariots of fire. I will not cease from mental fight, nor shall my sword slip in my hand. Till we have built Jerusalem in England's green and pleasant land. Thanks, Tom. Thank you. Mike, that was amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, we have another newcomer coming up to the stage next. I'm so excited to hear from Liz Laramore. So I am from uh, Savannah, Georgia, where Forrest Gump was filmed. <laughs> and this is a story about that. This is a story about that. It's one of the most familiar, nay, iconic images in recent Nay, all of cinematic history. A clean-cut man in a blue plaid shirt buttoned all the way up, clean cream-colored suit jacket, matching clean cream-colored pants, and running shoes, wielding a box of chocolates, a small suitcase, and an arsenal of life lessons, sits patiently on a park bench, waxing philosophical to strangers and the air around him as he waits for a bus. It's an image so recognizable and so emblazoned on our collective cultural memory that most people, I think, would admit to having a difficult time seeing a park bench and not thinking of Forrest Gump. It has been borrowed and parodied by such renowned people, nay, artists, (laughs) as Weird Al Yankovic and Skilo. (laughs) That bench, that slatted wooden perch from which this special man called Forrest, Forrest Gump, spins his special yarns through milestone moments in American and world history alike, is the constant and stable location we always return to in a film that travels to China, into Vietnam, into the White House three times, into Bubba's mama's house in Greenbow, Alabama. We always return to the bench. We ourselves become the very strangers sitting on that bench next to Forrest, fully engaged and invested in his life story moving in just a little bit closer with every adventure. That bench is where a lot of people were introduced to some of these major historical events and personalities for the first time through Forrest's eyes. That bench is important. That bench is significant. I've heard it argued that Forrest Gump is the great American story, which would render that bench itself a piece of great American history a destination, a valuable artifact to be sought out, visited, and sat on by overweight, shopping-bag-laden tourists looking for a cool new Facebook profile picture. (laughs) But that goddamn bench, y'all, doesn't even exist. (laughs) A constant source of disappointment to those same aforementioned shopping-bag-laden tourists in search of it, the Forrest Gump bench so prominently and clearly located in the movie on the edge of Chippewa Square in Savannah, Georgia, is not an actual thing. And it never actually was. Though the city's mossy squares are replete with park benches, they are mostly inhabited by squirrels and the homeless. And not a single damn one of them sits on the perimeter or serves as a bus stop. And while visitors trekking from near and far lament the absence of that bench, that sedentary time machine that took them through China and through Vietnam and to the White House three times, 
and all the way to Bubba's mama's house in Greenbow, Alabama, most locals revel in knowing that it was just a fucking prop, actually, <laughs> and often roll their eyes watching families wander around the spot where it's supposed to be, goddammit, looking at their maps and their phones and recognizing the square itself and looking a little bummed they won't be able to pose on it with that box of almost definitely melted chocolates they've been carrying around town with them all afternoon. <laughs> anything at all from Forrest Gump is that life is like that box of chocolate sad, confused, tourist stranger you don't ever know what you're going to get Forrest prepared us all for that disappointment with that ominous musing I'll be honest y'all I don't actually know if there's a point to this story <laughs> but if right now you find yourself the tourist to this anecdote trying to locate one I'll give you the same advice I once drunkenly gave to an elderly couple from Japan wandering around Chippewa Square looking for that goddamn bench speaking very limited English. Look inside your heart, I said. <laughs> the bench is inside of your heart. think that couple spent the rest of their trip trying to track down a place called Your Heart in Savannah. <laughs> also, that bus, the one Forrest spends at least two hours waiting for, is going around that square in the wrong direction. But don't get me started on that. <laughs> May we all find the benches inside of our hearts. <laughs> Very sweet. We have one more storyteller this half. Then we're going to take a short break so you can get raffle tickets and beer and use the bathroom. By the way, there are two very clean, lovely bathrooms right back there. You don't have to go downstairs. It's so convenient. Uh, this next speaker, member of the Nerdalogs, Tom Hanks is her favorite actor. There was no way she couldn't speak at this event. Also, she all put it together. Let's give a big round for Katie Johnson-Smith. is one of my favorite actors. He's my absolute favorite. I brought um, images of him to keep me company on stage. <laughs> this is a framed picture of Tom Hanks my ex-mother-in-law gave me. <laughs> I got it in the divorce, thank God. <laughs> this is an action figure of a, a Simpsons version of Tom Hanks. Um, they have nothing to do with this story, but I wanted to have them near. <laughs> All right. I'm really nervous because I have a lot of feelings about Tom Hanks. Um, movies just don't cast him like young Tom Hanks anymore. Today, to be a leading man on the silver screen in a film you didn't write, produce, and direct yourself, you must be as chiseled as a Hemsworth brother or friends with Adam Sandler. <laughs> TV is now the realm of the handsome, flat-butted average Joes and shows where King of Queens, the King of Queens guy gets a younger and hotter wife every few years. I miss the flat-butted, normal-bodied men who used to fill the movie screens. Having them up there meant that maybe one day the door would open for a normal-bodied woman to be cast in a non-fat best friend role. Need I remind you that the beautiful Rita Wilson 
The le- the lady looks equal of Tom Hanks was cast in many a Tom Hanks movie as some ancillary female friend to his leading man. Tom Hanks was and is a tried and true leading man of the ages, and is pretty much universally liked by most humans all over the world. <laughs> He's also publicly allowed to unapologetically like himself. Most men are, which is great. Dudes, like yourselves. Awesome. Keep doing it. It's important. It's also important for the non-Megan Foxes of the world to be allowed to publicly like themselves too. Um, I've noticed, and I have to shit all over myself and my looks to make other people comfortable with the fact I'm going to be saying most of the lines and maybe kiss Greg Kinnear in my upcoming project. Uh, trend in the trailblazing non-traditional leading ladies. And that sucks a lot. Even as I stand up here as a person who is not at all near being famous, I know I could get more laughs and endear myself to this audience by pointing out all of my flaws and shitting all over myself. And it's usually what I do. <laughs> But instead, I'm going to take this opportunity to be more like Tom Hanks and treat myself the way he treats himself. Because I'm allowed. <laughs> the only difference between me and Tom Hanks is millions of dollars and like a lot of other stuff. <laughs> But still, I like myself. <laughs> There's a perceived comfort in self-deprecation, but an actual real internal power that comes with giving yourself permission to publicly like who you are, no matter what your gender. Rita Wilson shouldn't be the only one with a little bit of Tom Hanks inside of her, you know? Because <laughs> he can live inside of each and every one of us in a non-sex way. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Katie. Please No, I'm just kidding. Oh, I want it. I was bruising bad that I couldn't. Tell what I felt I was Unrecognizable to myself Saw my reflection in the window Didn't know my own face You're gonna leave me Wasting away On the streets of Philadelphia Lie, 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 lie Lie, 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 lie Lie, lie, lie Wampy Avenue My legs felt like stone I heard voices of friends Vanished and gone Tonight I feel the blood in my veins It's black and whispering as the rain On the streets of Philadelphia Lie, 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 lie Lie, 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 lie Lie, lie, lie My friend, 
my clothes don't fit me no more. I walked a thousand miles just to slip the skin. The night is falling, I'm lying awake. I feel myself wasting away. So receive me, brother, with your faithless kiss. Or are we gonna leave each other alone like this on the streets of Philadelphia? La 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 Your Stories is a proud part of the Chicago Podcast Co-op. If you like your stories, you might also enjoy Write Club. Write Club is literature as blood sport. Two opposing writers, two opposing ideas, each fighting for deathless glory. Hosted by polar opposites Ian Belknap and Lindsay Moscato. For more information, go to www.writeclubnation.com. This has been a Nerdalogs production. For more on the Nerdalogs and our shows, please go to www.nerdalogs.com. Thank you all, thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.